Uh, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 126 of the Big Planet Comics Podcast. Yeah, Arsenio <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dog pound, calm down. Uh, so, what's up? My name's Kevin. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm Jared. And uh, I'm Arsenio. And I'm Arsenio. Arsenio Hall is not here today. He couldn't make it. Oh, oh he well. had to cancel at the last minute. Yep, he's busy doing the Arsenio Hall show with he had the to dog interview uh, Belle Devoe or something. Yep, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is the <laughs> most comprehensive comic book podcast on the internet. Oh, it's only a comic book podcast? Yeah. It's um, the most comprehensive. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, just everything. Yep. Yeah. The podcast of life. Uh, yeah, if anybody wants to challenge that, you know, hit us up. Hit us up. Yeah, so uh, what's going on, you guys? Lots of stuff. I went to New York. I went to New it York. Was fun. It was we both fun. went to New York. We both had crazy experiences in New York. Yep. Uh, I just mostly drank a lot, <laughs> um, didn't sleep much, woke up and drank some more, went, walked around the city, went to Times Square. Cool. Did you go to the, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. exhibit? The New World Trade Center? No, I didn't go to the Avengers oh, thing or whatever. I walked past it, but I looked at it, and I was like, cool. And yeah, it was fun. That's the World Trade Center. I haven't been it over there cool. yet. I only saw it from the outside. Yeah, I can't. But it looked cool. I was underneath it, looking did, up. Did you go buy some souvenirs from 9-11? Oh, <laughs> God. Don't they have a, uh, a gift shop down there? Do they? Oh, it's something appalling. Why are we talking about 9-11 gift in, shops right that's now? In, that's in poor <laughs> days. We went to New York. It was in poor days. Uh, yeah, it was fun. I, I saw... I didn't see anything in Times Square because it was like 2 in the morning. Oh, There was really? no uh, naked cowboy. <laughs> I was about to or, say, clearly that is the modern New York. Yeah. That's how you see a lot of things in the old New York. Right off Times Square, there was a lot of people asking me if I wanted to buy drugs. <laughs> wow. You were in Amsterdam. Yeah. In Amsterdam, yeah. Well, that's cool. Hey, you guys sound like you're really tired. Yeah, I'm we're a little, little tired. We're both a little, we both came back from New York recently. Down. Well, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I hung out with some friends and played Catan. Well, didn't you go to the... Uh, you went to a concert. concert. Where? On the mall. Oh, no, but that didn't work out very well. Oh, no. <laughs> what happened? Uh, so, last yesterday was Veterans Day, and uh, they had the big concert on the mall with, you know, Rihanna, Jesse J. Metallica. Carrie Underwood, Metallica. And, uh, yeah, I got there, and the middle section of the mall is closed off right now. Oh, so the weird. so the whole front section was full, right? And then the whole middle section was empty, and then so they put me in the third section, and you couldn't see or hear the crowd or the stage. Oh, really? You could what? only see a TV. The crowd was cheering like crazy. I could only hear it on the jumbotron. I couldn't <laughs> even hear the crowd. Wow! And I was just like, I'm gonna go home. And then I heard Jesse J performing while I was walking past like, <laughs> on the way home. She just walked around the outside. Yeah, but you could still couldn't see anything. So I was like, whatever. And then I just went home and nice watch. Sounds uh, rocking. Watch tv yeah it was great yeah, so that was great. about it for me <laughs> jared how was your new york trip good i went to comics art brooklyn which is uh sponsored by desert island cool little comic store up there uh it's in a church basement and basketball court sweet like a lot of weird cool festivals and it was really good it was just a saturday was the day where people sold comics and then sundays were all panels i think that really confused a lot of people i think that was like a major complaint people had that people would sh- showed up on Sunday expecting to be able to buy stuff, and the crowds were smaller on Saturday than they were last year when it was just the one day show on Saturday. Oh, weird. Yeah, but I assume that since it's a church, they probably wanted to use it for churchy things on Sunday. Yeah, that's a lot so. to ask people to stick around just to be on panels as well. Yeah, but it's less sticking around. And it's more like it's New York, and there's eight million people who live there anyway. Yeah, that's so. true. And they have like awesome panels with like who are all the cool old cartoonists who live in New York who are just going to hang out and do stuff. But it was really fun. It was good. 
a lot of cool people were there. Uh, I met some cool guys from Breakdown Press in Britain and the Piao Studio guys in Sweden. Cool. They're all awesome. I got a bunch of comics from them. Yeah, I love their stuff. Yep, it was good. Cool. Well, hey, let's get right into this thing this week. Let's okay. do some. Wait. What? Okay. Okay. Ready. Let's do some news. Yeah, sure. This just in, CM Punk is writing a story in Thor Annual Number 1. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Do you guys know who CM Punk is? I know who CM Punk is. I know, surprisingly. CM Punk is a wrestler. He's the former WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, he came up wrestling in, like, Philly, I think. Uh, yeah. Most importantly, he left the whole federation when they were being punks to him. He did, yeah. Right Which be- was awesome. Right before uh, Royal Rumble last year. Because he- they didn't put him in. Uh, well, yeah, because he didn't win. Because he wants to main event WrestleMania, and uh, so he bailed. And I don't think he's coming back. But wasn't he also like one of the most popular wrestlers at the time? Yeah, he's definitely the best guy on the mic. Hey, I watch a lot of wrestling in case people <laughs> didn't know that already. But uh, yeah, he was he was definitely the best guy on the mic. A really good technical wrestler. But I think uh, uh, WWE runs their guys ragged, and he definitely was looking like he was feeling it towards the end a little bit. So yeah, uh, yeah but, so he left, and I okay. don't think he's ever coming back. <laughs> yeah, he sounded actually uh, legitimately angry. About yeah, his wife. Uh, is still wrestles there. She's oh, his wife's a the, wrestler? Yeah, she's the wow. women's champion. Wow. I refuse to call her the diva's champion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She, but uh, yeah. But now he's writing the Thor annual number one. Oh, he's writing a story in it. He's I, don't writing, he, I don't know if he's writing the whole thing. I think a story. I think it's got short stories in it. I mean, I guess I shouldn't judge beforehand, but CM Punk seems like a smart dude, so hopefully yeah. this will be a good comic. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs> my, friend, my friend Pierce, who's super into wrestling and comics, is like, all my wrestling friends are gonna are already blaming me if this goes badly. It's like mm-hmm. he's taking the heat for CM Punk being a good writer. <laughs> I have a good feeling about it. It's like when, yeah. when Brian Posehn went on to yeah. uh, do like Deadpool, it's like... Uh, CM Punk is such a guy who's good on the microphone and writes his own promos and stuff. Oh, so, yeah. uh, so maybe hopefully that'll translate. Maybe Thor will some, talk some smack, and maybe uh, he'll uh, have some awesome moves to beat or, that guy. Yeah. Or she, or she. Oh, that'd be cool too. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So that's happening. That's happening. Uh, another piece of news: uh, <laughs> Hulk Hogan is writing Superman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because DC only employs people that are over sixty. He's not gonna write the Hulk. So yeah, uh, there was some information released this week about uh, one of the actors. Let uh, the, the guy that plays Doctor Doom basically kind of gave a description of his character. In who the movie. is who does play Doctor Doom? I forgot. Nobody okay. knows. Okay, um, but anyway, on the new Fantastic Four, Cody Rhodes from the WWE. Is he? <laughs> yeah. No. No. Dusty uh, Rhodes. It's no. Dusty Rhodes' son. <laughs> He had a Dr. Doom stick for a while where he got a scratch on his face and he was wearing like a mask. I think it's Kofi Kingston. It's Kofi Kingston, yeah. It's Kofi um, Annan. I can't tell if you're making any of that up. Nope, that was real. See, that's what's amazing. Yeah, that's why wrestling's great. Oh, so goodness. here you go. So <laughs> here's Dr. Doom in the new Fantastic Four movie. Um, his name is actually Victor Domashev. Uh He's not you Victor Van Doom. Domashev. And uh, he, he is a programmer, a very antisocial programmer, and on blogging sites he goes by Noom. <laughs> But that's he, like the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but is he in medical school or has he not gotten his doctorate? I yet? don't know. I don't no, know. That's all. That's all they he said. Yeah. Was he like undergraduate doom? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. He's doctor. He's, master doom. Like he's, he's working on his master blogger degree. Doom. It's, no. <sighs> so bad. Is this still directed by the guy who did Chronicle? Yeah. Uh, well, that makes gives me it hope because that's good. a good movie. But and, it's, so, and I think it's a found footage. <laughs> and movie so too. he's there and he's like, boy, I wish I had a good script so I could yeah. make a movie. Out it of. just sounds like so like. Yeah, basic there's so many crazy ratchet. things. There's also like, apparently they're all in like, uh, like containment suits the whole time or something. What is it con- like hazmat suits? Yeah, <laughs> what? they're radioactive or something. Okay, oh, cool. 
Yeah, I don't know. So, we'll see. Um, please it's going to be a crazy thing. What is this third headline? Because I don't like this headline I'm seeing here. I can explain it. Oh, yeah. Hideo Mizaki said he's not sure he could finish his uh, samurai manga. Yeah, why is that? He said he's working on it sometimes, but he because... just he's still really busy. Is it because yes. he's going to work on short animation? He's still working on animation. Yeah, like, that's he said what I heard. there's a lot of projects going on, so it's not like he's retired from It's funny. He said he retired, but he still works comics. five days a week. Exactly. He yeah. just doesn't work seven days a week. Jeez. <laughs> And he's not directing any features anymore. Yeah, right. So that's, that's, I mean, that's still a big thing. But it sounds thing. like he's still very creative. It's just like this is his personal passion project to draw some comics again. He has other stuff he's working on. So. Well, hopefully, I mean, I'd love to, the stuff I've seen from the Samurai manga looks, looks great. So good. I bought my uh, buddy, uh, there's this like Princess Mononoke book that yep. came out. And uh, on the last page, there's like a, it's a huge book and there's like a page of the manga. Oh, really? There, and it looks Ooh. great. So I, yeah, I'm yeah. super excited about it. So hopefully that still happens. I, I hope so. I like comics. It made me very sad. Yeah. Hey, That's we're, it. hey, we're all sad over here. That's all the news. That's all the news. Sad news. Yeah. Wait. Uh, well, let's just. All of that news is sad. Well, except CM, CM Punk, I guess, is okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's good. it's good news for CM Punk. It's, it's great news. Yeah. Uh, let's do a question. Okay. All right. This question comes in from a person named Drunk Comic Book Rants. It's a Tumblr. It's, a, it's from a Tumblr. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's their Tumblr. Their Tumblr. Name. <laughs> uh, so they say, uh, Yo, Big Planet Comics, here's a question for your podcast. Oh, I like that. A little, a little, <laughs> a little, uh, little hip hop. <laughs> uh, uh, he says we are all, or she? Mystery. Mystery. Uh, we are all way too familiar with the comic book guy, you know, from The Simpsons. Has the comic industry completely outgrown this stereotype? As comic book guys yourselves, do you do anything uh, consciously to get away from the stereotype and make your stores more welcoming to, say, girls or other uh, underrepresented groups in traditional comics? Or is it more just a natural thing that sort of happens? I'm just going to read this whole question. It's, okay. it's kind of long. Do you still come across these types of um actually fans uh, picturing a dude who's very outraged about Thor being a woman now? Um, and if so, do you have a personal policy towards them? Or maybe it doesn't bother you at all, or maybe it doesn't even happen. Uh, they say, I don't want to make a thing of it, but I also think you guys do a great job at not really being that guy. So I'd be curious to hear whether that's a decision or just a result of the changing comics market and society in general. Oh boy, Whoa. society in general—that's a lot. It's getting deep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, what do you guys think? I mean, I kind of have an answer for this. It's—I'd uh, say both. Uh, for me, it's definitely a conscious choice. I'm very aware that that stereotype is still sadly prevalent in comic book stores. It's less bad than it used to be, but there's still definitely stores out there that are a problem. I- so yeah, my thing is just just to be myself. I guess it's like I don't really yeah. Like I think I, obviously I think about it sometimes, but I'm like I don't. You know, it's it, I'm it, I'm always somewhere in between. Like I'm kind of nerdy and I'll know all this stuff, but I won't be berating people. Yeah. And the girl, yeah. will, That's I, a, it's not like a girl will walk in. I'll be like, yeah. I mean, I think like you know, I would think naturally we're not racist and we don't hate or objectify women. So you know, so that part of it would hopefully come naturally. We don't have to be like conscious of it and be like, don't be a creep. It's just like you know, if you're not a creep in your everyday life, then 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 thankfully you're not going to be a creep in the comic book store. Um, I mean. Asking if this is, uh, you know, still kind of the norm. I think for us, it's not. You know, the yeah. I'd say the biggest growing um, group of fans is, you know, women, and and I see a lot of couples as well. Yeah. Uh, and no, it's good. And the, and the the things that are really growing, it's like as much as like the it's all like a bunch of white dudes 
in DC and Marvel. There's like other stuff coming up, and I not I feel from the like, major companies, and even some seen the major companies are yeah, like Miss Marvel, yeah. and uh, you know, trying trying to do things differently and represent more people. So I think I think there is definitely a change in society, but, those but guys also it still exists. Yeah, oh yeah, oh, those yeah. guys definitely still do exist, and. You know, while you don't shut them down because you don't want to be a jerk to people, it's right. like I'm not going to agree with somebody and pretend like I yeah. I think that what they're saying is cool if I don't. And you know, right. we'll tell people to stop saying terrible things if they're saying terrible right. things yeah. in the store too. I, th- I think that's kind of the best thing is that that those sort of people don't automatically get precedence like they used to. Like I think for you know, like if you want to talk about Thor or whatever, sure, that's fine. But like that doesn't mean that you get to talk over other people or like your opinion is more important than someone who comes in who doesn't know who Thor is. Like, we just like comics. And if you like comics, you're welcome to come in. And also, I think you... um, So there's this thing happening right now where there is this big sort of societal change happening. And people are learning to be more open and accept, you know, everybody and, and because they should. And there's sort of this, like, last gasp of people really pushing against that. Right. uh, Because because of a few things. Um, But I think the main thing is that... It, it's happening a lot in games as well. It's like game it's game. like people sort of uh, they sort of ghettoize themselves and and they sort of made themselves this sort of minority right. in their minds, a like, minority of privilege. Yeah, like I'm a I'm a gamer or I'm yeah. a comic book reader, and like and like people are against me, and so I, like I, I can make that my identity. Right, and so right. then when people who are actually less privileged than them come in it's like they almost see it as an attack and they and they yeah. defend themselves and i think people do that on the internet a lot more because it's more anonymous yeah. so we don't see a lot of that mostly people are just open to all this new stuff yeah and then sometimes the people that complain are just like i've been reading this comic for a long time and i don't like it when anything changes that's true and right. um so that can add to the problem a little bit too but so yeah it's like not everybody who hates thor being a woman is bad but you know most of them are <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, yeah. Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, that's definitely something I think about sometimes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too. Well, thanks for the question. Drunk comic book rant. <laughs> your name sounds like a little bit like a comic book guy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, if you guys have questions, you can send them to the Tumblr because that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can send them to our Twitter at Big Planet Comics or send them to podcast at bigplanetcomics.com. dot uh, com. Questions are like our favorite part of the show i think so send more blood. send them all the time all the time you can follow me on twitter too at kevin panetta <laughs> uh all right you guys want to do some reviews sure let's do it we love comics they're swell except when they're written by scott lovedell i prefer important books like louis riel it's time for reviews i feel like i definitely ran it a little bit there hopefully it all made sense no no you got it you got it down all right up first this week we have all new captain america number one see the problem with this comic is captain america used to be white Okay. Uh, <laughs> this uh, no. isn't my Captain America. <laughs> this isn't my Captain America. Uh, no, this is written by Rick Remender. He's been writing Captain America. He also writes Black Science. He wrote Fear Agent. He writes a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, he's writing Axis right now. Right? Deadly Class. Deadly Class. Uh, and art by Stuart Eminen, who is always fantastic. Drew. Um, a lot of all new X Men recently. Yep. Yeah, and uh, some Ultimate Spider-Man. The next Superman, wave. Superman Secret Identity. He's real good. He's yeah. great. So this is uh, one of two Captain America books we're going to be talking about. And this is the one where Captain America is nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's a, one of the weird things. I guess this takes place after Axis, um, whereas the other book doesn't. Um, Should we just talk about both of these at once? So the other book is Captain yeah. America and the Mighty Avengers, right. written by Al Ewing, who's been drawing, who's been writing Mighty Avengers, and drawn by Luke Ross, who's been drawing Mighty Avengers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I like both these books. The, the thing is that it's weird reading them back to back because they're, 
they, like I said, they take place at different time periods. Um, and Be- Captain America and the Mighty Avengers takes place during Axis. Yeah, so so you might want to explain what happened in Axis. So in Axis, all the heroes and villains that were on the Genosha fighting the Red Skull, there was a spell called, uh, that uh, Scarlet Witch and Doctor Doom did to invert the Red Skull to get Professor X's personality takeover. And so now everybody's inverted. Uh, basically, like D and D terms, they're like from chaotic good to chaotic evil. Or, <laughs> nice. Uh, that's how it, that's that's how I read Rick Remender exp- explaining it. <laughs> that's um, awesome. Hey, the comic book yeah. guy is alive and well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like exactly inverted. Uh, but yeah, so in Captain America: Mighty Avengers, Falcon is evil. Uh, basically, he's a uh, lawful evil or whatever. Yeah, he's like he's yeah, a so, jerk, but yeah, he's it's, still. It's not like they're taking people and making good guys into bad guys. They're just taking their tendencies and swapping them. So it's like he still wants to help people and do the right thing, but he's like, I shouldn't show mercy to bad guys anymore. I should, you know, whatever needs to be done, I'll do it. And so yeah, it's, yeah, it's very similar to like when. Uh, like Superior Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah. yeah, except instead of Dr. Octopus going into all of these people, although that would be a good event, <laughs> or Dr. <laughs> Octopus be becomes all of the heroes. But uh, yeah, they're just all sort of becoming very uh, sort of Machiavellian. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least uh, in the case of Captain America. So yeah, in that, um, I, it's pretty interesting that it's this, kind of the same Mighty Avengers team, although most of them aren't in this first issue. Um and uh although we do get a little bit of luke cage uh, yeah luke cage in the in the suit being really mad at spider-man for being a jerk to him when he was Which, superior yeah, it's, spider-man it's, it's, yeah. it was bad um and just being kind of evil in general yeah. <laughs> like ba- a bad guy and falcon is uh mission in that whole book is to just basically destroy the mighty avengers because they're kind of like uh left-wing hippies or something like that <laughs> something to that effect is what he says and then in the um, regular captain america book he is with the new nomad who is captain america's son from right. another dimension adopted son from another and uh, and he's getting mad <laughs> and uh they're fighting hydra yeah and there's a point in this where nomad kills somebody <laughs> yeah and uh and captain america tells him not to do that so that's the difference between the two he's like you don't do that you're he's like i'm from a Dimension Z, uh, everybody dies all the time. Um, I think my favorite thing in all new Captain America, besides the art, which was great, Stuart Eminem's always awesome. I thought Bat Rock was really funny in this issue. Yeah, yeah. Like, but not like, but not like played up as like a joke. Well, maybe a little, like bit. a little bit. He, like he's he's still like um like a threat, and he's you know like he's not he's not go- a goofball. Well, I mean, there's a part where. Um, uh, Captain America's like, all right, you get the other guy. I've got Bat Rock, and Bat Rock says, "More likely, you have diabetes, American Burger Eater." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's like, he, like, he, like the way things he says are funny, but like he's, you know, he's like, he's not like a joke. He's a credible threat. Yeah, he's a credible threat. Yeah, yeah. he's like, there's like an actual like in, like intense fight scene as they're falling down into this chasm, and um, it's well choreographed because it's Stuart Eminem, and um, it's just really fun. It's funny, and I like this new direction. It's kind of more. Uh, I think what did Rick Remender called it like spy fi or something, which I guess hmm. is a, yeah, it's like sci- cool. sci-fi spy stuff. It's okay. definitely less sci-fi than the previous run on Captain America, which was all about being in different <laughs> right. dimensions and stuff. I would say definitely one of these books feels like a completely new direction yes. uh, with all new Captain America, and one feels like the next issue of Mighty Avengers a little bit, a little bit, or um, more like the next issue of Axis. Yeah, right, just like something yeah. in the middle of Axis. Um. But I liked it. I liked that uh, in Captain America and the Mighty Avengers, the plunderer shows up, who is Kazar's brother, right? Um, sure. He says something about his brother in the jungle, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's, he's Kazar's brother. <laughs> um, I did not know that. I don't know. It's, it's just, it was just weird re- reading these back to back. Yeah. Captain America in this says stuff like, uh, I don't know, like, I'm going to make you bleed. 
or something. <laughs> Criminal scum have no rights. Yeah. Not he's, in this room. I want to watch my country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, you have no rights in my country except to bleed. The right to bleed. Uh, yeah. So I, I think they were both interesting in different ways. I, yeah, I would say different. out of the two, all new Captain America is kind of the the standout for me. Yeah. But they're both interesting. I so, think Mighty Avengers will get a little better as it kind of gets out of the Axis tie-ins. Well, stuff. it's also yeah. playing with some really interesting ideas. It's just, yeah, it should have not been at the same time. Because the characters in, in Mighty Avengers have been great. And it's still Ali Wing. Um, and, the, yeah, most of them don't show up in this. It's just kind of like you don't kind of get a feel of the team. Yeah. But, but it'll get there. Yeah, it'll get there. But then one book that's really tied to Axis that I hope doesn't change that much is Superior Iron Man number one. That's true. I remember this how is, Kevin said Superior Spider-Man showed up. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is written by uh, Tom Taylor, who's the um, the main character from Unwritten. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, no, what what did Tom Taylor write? He wrote uh, Injustice. And he oh, was yeah. Writing uh, Earth Two for a long time. Uh, but this is different than those because now he's a Marvel exclusive. Funny. Uh, and the art in this is by Ilderay Sinar. I probably said that wrong, but. Uh, yeah, I thought that this was cool. This is kind of uh, so they mentioned in the beginning of this that uh, at the end of Axis, all the other heroes will kind of turn back to normal, but Tony Stark still stays a jerk. Yeah, this, I guess this takes place after Axis because they're like, yeah, all the heroes get changed back, just not Tony Stark. Yeah, it seems that way. Although the the timeline's a little muddy, tell. but we don't yeah. need to worry about that. Yeah, too this place that maybe in the middle of Axis or part of it does. Yeah, but basically, uh, yeah, it's about Tony Stark becoming kind of a drunken jerk again. He's like the the super ego version. Yeah, of it's himself. like if Tony Stark <laughs> removed all the reins on his personality and just he's drinking yeah. again. Um, he's just you know he's using his intellect to abuse people, hanging out like, in a hotel pool with a bunch of like half naked women. Yep, drinking martinis. Um, Classic while, Tony Stark. Yeah, while but, he sends out drones of himself to fight his own battles. This is like remember in the middle of Iron Man two when he's like a drunk again. Yeah, well. that's like, like that Tony Stark, but with a whole comic. Yeah. Well, it's, it's um, also it's very much him being like I'm smarter than everyone else, so I should make decisions for everyone else, which is the main storyline here. And then in, in Axis, they revealed he he created this app. For everybody in San Francisco to download, on, uh, automatically gets downloaded onto the phone like a U2 album. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they can use it to make themselves pretty. Yeah. It's like an extremist app. It's the new extremist thing, yeah. so it makes them like physically strong, but also like physically attractive. Yeah, it makes everybody like kind of like a perfect human being. They can all glamour like, themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and the problem with that is it causes a lot of uh, disparity with the people that don't have the app and they're like kind of creates a, a new underclass yeah it kind of creates uh the uglies type situation yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it, you get the full reveal of that villainous plan which comes into play at the end well, i'm just gonna say what it is but it's funny because you find you find out that the extremist uh wears out and you become who you were before but you're kind of more strung out and like you need the extremist and uh, the, all your phone says your trial period is over. Uh, daily renewal ninety nine ninety nine. Yeah, so it's yeah. like playing Candy Crush. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, he's got them all addicted to the extremists, and they have to pay him a hundred dollars a day to use it now. Yeah, and then at the end we see uh, that Pepper, who's always the voice of reason when it comes to Iron Man, has a backup plan. Yeah, and it's pretty Excellent. interesting. Yeah, and it's pretty interesting. I thought this was a fun comic. Yeah, yeah. The art was uh, the art was decent. It didn't blow me away or anything, but there's some interesting page layouts. It's a little bit like Derek Robertson. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's fair. That and some, um, uh, good tech design on the suit and stuff and yeah and yeah i like the design of the suit a lot and the whole thing was just fun it was it was very mean-spirited but in not in a gritty grim kind of right, way no. like it was it was it was goofy and it was fun and uh, uh and daredevil's in it daredevil makes an appearance because it's in san francisco yeah which yeah. is a nice um, twist. apparently 
uh, one of the rumors going around was that Iron Man is is going to cure Daredevil's blindness. Oh, <laughs> that <boy>. sounds great. <laughs> uh, using the extremist app or whatever. Wow. Um, I'm into it. Um, <laughs> hey, Daredevil's a lawyer. He's got money. Yeah. Uh, he can pay for it. Okay. Uh, up next, we've got uh, Deep State number one. Uh, this is written by Justin Jordan, who wrote Luther Strode and wrote Dead Body Road and wrote um, well, just a bunch of stuff. A lot. Dark Gods. Yep. Which some, we did not read. Some lanterns. Uh, and the art in this is by uh, Ariella Cristantina, uh, who is somebody who I don't know. Yep. But yeah, this is uh, kind of like the X-Files. So this is the idea that all the conspiracies and stuff that everybody knows about from the X-Files were all true. Uh, and there's a group of people like the FBI slash X-Files dudes who go and take care of it so it all stays secret. So they're the secret within the secret government agencies. They're like the super government that runs yeah. all the other government they're agencies. They're like the ones behind all the other agencies. Uh, and so this one takes the idea that there's the old agent who recruits the new person to be the new agent. So you get to kind of follow along with her, uh, Miss Branch, as she journeys along to figure out what's going on. Uh, and all that I thought was okay. The thing I thought was really well or at least interesting on this was what the actual main conspiracy that they're dealing with in the first one with the Russian uh, yeah. cosmonauts. Yeah. And that was that the cosmonauts, uh, the Soviet union went to the moon before America and found out that there's crazy stuff on the moon and it caused problems. There's like, like life on the moon. Yep. Evil life or dangerous life or something. We're not quite sure, but yeah, so there's definitely, uh, Astronauts with flamethrowers attacking things. Yeah, when the the, when the U.S. goes back to uh, the moon, they take flamethrowers. So awesome! Yeah, I thought that was a. I thought thought that that was was the best part. Yeah, and uh, that kind of you know it seems like that's going to be the focus because where this ends is kind of a little cliffhanger dealing with that. And uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting first. My main problem with this it was it was way too X Filesy. It was, it was, yeah. yeah, it was like X-Files mixed with like a little... They even look like Mulder and Scully. They do, yeah. Their personalities are different, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but not too much. Yeah, well, she's not a skeptic, and like neither of them are skeptics, really. They're just yeah, like... She seems pretty skeptic. I don't know. She buys into it pretty fast. Yeah, I guess pretty <laughs> like, It doesn't take her eight here. seasons or whatever. Yeah, right, right. Um, you yeah. know, it's like, when did Scully start to believe? Once Mulder got like superpowers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, it, it was an okay first issue. It wasn't wasn't mind-blowing but uh i'll definitely read it i want to see where it's going yeah yeah Yeah. uh all right up next we've got uh django zorro number one (laughs) you heard that correctly this is co-written by quentin tarantino who wrote um death proof and uh matt Mm -hmm. wagner who wrote grendel and has been writing the zorro comics for a while now uh and the art in this is by um esteve pulse who maybe Drew the, some of the last Django thing, I think, oh, one of the parts of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so this is about um, – it's kind of weird. It's a little hard to talk about some of this, right? Is it? Well, without giving the ending away. Yeah. Yeah. So, basically – um, I thought it was pretty obvious from the start. Oh, was it? <laughs> but maybe it's just because I, I, I watched just go all and the say... Disney shows and I read all the Alex Toth comics and stuff. This is basically Django is going through the desert. Um, it's fine. You can say whatever. Yeah. Try, trying to get like a uh, bounty hunting, bounty hunting. And he gets picked up by, uh, this old man who is Zorro, uh, <laughs> who is an old man, uh, an old, gentleman. old man Zorro. Um, well, I think once he says his name, he's like Don Diego de la Vega. I was like, Oh, that's Zorro, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> um, but, I don't think I know a lot about Zorro. So oh, really? I've read the, some of the Toth stuff. Though, well, so that's, that's those like those are all based on around the same thing. Like the Disney ran a, a TV show for like almost 10 years in the fifties or sixties. And so the Toth comics are based on that. And it was like a really fun, lighthearted thing. And, uh, Zorro. When I saw Mask of Zorro, was that what it was called? Yeah, like uh, forever ago. <laughs> yeah, but so Zorro uh, 
would you know he was this don de la vega who was you know a spanish nobleman in california he's batman basically yeah but he was uh, well lone ranger is batman right no uh, this is Zorro is more batman because yeah. Zorro is a, a rich rich guy who uh Ooh, goes out at, identity is yeah. a Zorro who fights the corruption of the system oh but then lone ranger is also batman because nope. lone ranger's parents get killed and he becomes a superhero oh, that's true but yeah. he also uh but the thing i liked about this the, at least that series was that he has this uh assistant who is bernardo who is a mute but he also pretends he's deaf so he's kind of like his his manservant who can like figure things out because everyone thinks he can't hear so he's kind of like his smart assistant who helps out with a lot of stuff so he's the guy driving the coach in the beginning of this so i'm gonna come clean about why i didn't know this was zoro the whole time is because i for some reason thought it was a Django lone ranger comic and uh so (laughs) so while i was reading it i was like when's the lone ranger gonna show up and then at the end uh there's like a thing where it's like hey this guy's zoro and i was like what what and then i looked at the cover and it was Django zoro lone ranger (laughs) but yeah it's cool i think the characterization of Django is dead on i mean i don't know how much quentin tarantino wrote this he wrote all those dialogues. Yeah, but uh, well, I, it took me until halfway through until I realized he was Zoro because I was like, I was like, oh man, this old guy's uh, sure good with a sword. It's pretty. Aw- <laughs> I was like, this old guy's kind of an awesome character. I wonder when Zoro is going to show up. And I was like, oh wait, no, this is Zoro. Yeah. Um, I knew from the beginning. You guys should all watch that show. It was really. Good. I mean, I knew once he said his name, yeah. but I wasn't sure. Still, I was like, I think that's Zoro's name, and then I was like, uh, I guess it is. Because I, I mean, you expect it to be. Django and like Zoro at like his prime, his, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, I guess yeah. they uh-huh. didn't exist in the same time period. And so. that's why I think yeah, I like this even clever. more. Yeah. I think because it's it's kind of got that same dynamic that Django had, where he's got the kind of old man, and he, they talk about that a lot. Well, he even like, says he reminds him of uh, I can't yeah. remember the character's name, he but uh, Christoph like, Waltz. Remind me of someone I used yeah. to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and this whole thing was better than it had any right to be. I yeah, feel like for sure, um, really fun. Yeah, and the art was good. Reminded me of Frank Avila a little bit. Yeah, um, in a good way. And yeah, definitely going to read more of this as it comes out. All right. Up next, we've got Drifter number one. This was written by Ivan Brandon, who wrote what? Um, Did you do Green? No, wait. Nick, him and Nick Klein have done other comics together. Cowboy Ninja Viking or Vikings. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was like a crazy sci-fi thing. It was a little bit confusing, but overall, I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the basic... It starts off basically with this guy crashing on um, this alien planet. In a giant spaceship. In a giant spaceship and getting... uh, attacked by very well he thinks he's getting attacked by these alien life forms that's and, what i mean <laughs> and he, he ends up like attacking them and then he, he you know um it, that's why it's confusing because it starts kind of in the middle of all this stuff and so he's, he's fighting all these aliens and then somebody shoots him and he gets knocked out and he wakes up um yeah and he ends up he's in this town um kind of like a town built around this remains of the spaceship um but not his spaceship. It seems like a lot of spaceships it's, maybe crash. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah, it seems this like, is like an old Western sci-fi planet yeah. where there's. They, I think they say it's someplace like no ships come here anymore. So clearly, it's like a you know a kind of backwater planet yeah. that's slowly falling apart. And uh, yeah, he's introduced to this to basically the sheriff um, and the town preacher, and um, not a lot happens. They just kind of he, explain what the town is, and he goes around. Um, and then there's a crazy twist at the end. Yep. Um, that changes is, is the entire, awesome. I guess, a story bit. a lot. Yeah, adds, <laughs> adds some craziness to it. But there's also a lot that he's kind of like, he feels like he deserved to be sh- shot in the first place. You know, there's obviously a lot going on with him for his personal backstory that they hinted at, which was intriguing. 
Yeah. Uh, the and art, Nick Klein's art is great. Art the coloring is, is so good. The coloring is, is what makes it. Yeah, even they got some amazing that. shades on. Yeah. Lots of sunsets. and. I think this is the best stuff I've seen from Nick Klein. Like, the art in this yeah. is really, sure. really they good. They said at the back yeah. of this, they've been working on this a long time, and, like, Nick really stepped up on this to be, like... Yeah, it's cool. Awesome. It's got a... Oh, Nick Klein, full color art. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Man. Uh, yeah, it's got a cool just feel to it, too. Like, it doesn't feel like anything else. Like, if, it reminded me of Profit a little bit. Yeah, maybe. a little bit, yeah. Um, and maybe of Copperhead a little bit. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, overall, I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. We're checking out. Check it out. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Up next, we've got The Kitchen, number one. This is written by Ollie Masters with art by Ming Doyle, who uh, drew Mara. Um, and uh, this is about... What happens when, uh, basically it's about these three women and all their husbands go, are gangsters who all go to jail at the same time. Irish gangsters in Hell's Kitchen in the 70s. Yeah. And so, uh, they've had situations before where one or two of their husbands were in jail at the same time. And, uh, there was always uh, someone around to collect all the money for, you know, protection. Yeah. Basically their, their three husbands are like the top leaders of, of the gang basically. Yeah. And, uh, so... But now that that everybody's put away, uh, they need to get money for themselves. So only one of them realizes this, and she's going around collecting money from all these businesses and stuff. Well, I think it's that, like, there's still gang members out there, but the rest of them just assume, like, oh, well, our husband's in jail, but someone else is going to pick up the slack. Right. Not realizing that they're all just, like, low-level idiot thugs who aren't, like, leadership material. Right. So, uh, so they kind of join together and decide to... Um, you know collect their money so they'll have money yep and uh the so the first guy they go to collect money from is like pretty much exactly the wrong person yeah. to get money from and uh because of that things good they get a little tough with them and uh they get themselves in some trouble yep yeah and uh, that's kind of where it leaves off and uh i think it's i thought it was a pretty interesting first issue it was like definitely a high concept uh, yeah, it's basically. Yeah. I mean, something I, guess, I haven't seen before. I guess the you know the basic pitch of it is that the you know um, mob wives become mob bosses kind of thing. Um, it seems like by the by the end of this they'll be kind of in charge of the mob, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think you know, it'll be interesting. Never, I've never seen. I don't feel like I've never seen a a female run mob before. Yeah, yeah. And it'll. Uh, what about Catwoman? It'll be cool to see like what happens when uh, potentially their husbands come back. Right at some yeah. point in the series as well, yeah. so or uh, more importantly, hear what they're up to and like, you know, like how sexist is you know any gangster organization? In yeah, the I mean, 70s, this is the seventies, you know? right? Yeah. yeah, so it'll, uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff that could happen here. Yeah, and they address that a little bit in here too. Yeah, and that's um, what makes it interesting too. Um, I guess because they're not, you know, they're, it's much more unexpected that they would kind of step up into these roles at, at, in this time. You know, yeah. yeah uh yeah kitchen number one we're checking out uh all right up next we have a book uh little nemo dream another dream so this is a big hundred dollar hardcover it's more than that well it's a hundred dollars here isn't it that's true yeah so it's a hundred dollar (laughs) hardcover that uh it has a bunch of different creators on it so uh you know basically it's it's a huge tribute uh to the original little nemo strip by windsor mckay uh but in this oversized size that's the size of uh what sunday pages were back when that comic was actually yeah, coming out it came out which what, is the 10s and 20s yeah i think it started 20s. in 1905 so oh geez there you yeah, go. i think it was like 1905 through 1918 or something yeah, like and that back yeah. then like the big comics the popular ones would have the entire page of the newspaper to do their comic strip and newspapers were bigger than, yeah. than they, oh, are they were yeah they were oh, gigantic wow. so um yeah so this is uh just a ton of different artists like 130 or 40 yeah, of them it's crazy uh and so we should just talk about like a few of them i guess yeah uh, so basically kind of stood out they gave everyone a page or two to just do an homage to little nemo and those of you who haven't read little nemo which is a shame uh it's kind of hard to find these days because it's 
been out of print for so long. Yeah, I wish that Tashin um, edition was yeah. still available. That was just the whole thing in one book for like 40 bucks. But, but. we talked about Little Nemo Return to Slumberland that came out. Basically, yeah. it's um, Little Nemo's this kid who falls asleep every night. And so the opening panel is usually him falling asleep in his bed and being awoken to go on an adventure in a fantastic world. And then the kicker at the end of each strip is that he wakes up in his bed, usually by falling out of the bed onto the floor or in some way tied into whatever happened to him. And is so like, you know, if he's in his dream, he's on an adventure on the ocean, he'll fall out of bed and like, you know, he'll have knocked his glass of water over. And it was like, Oh, I thought I was drowning. Right. Um, and that's and some of those strips that uh, McKay did would be ongoing strips where the next night, you know, the next page would be him back in the same dream, but usually they're standalone stories. Uh, so this works really well as like an anthology because each person could just tell a single short Little Nemo adventure. Um, and some of these guys uh, really stepped up to the task. Like I looked at a couple of these pages and I thought they were McKay reprints at first. So I was just right. like, these guys are, man, where are they find? Oh, this is someone new. Um, and then some people just kind of did their own thing where they tried to either slide their own character into it or I don't know. And then some just, in some ways I found it very admirable. In other ways I didn't like, really just try to do something different more with the feeling of a Nemo strip or they, you know they broke away from the format a little more to just be like let's have a crazy adventure in the land of dreams or something like that well so. I think that's interesting like the people yeah. that kind of play with it a little bit like Jim Ruggs right. Jim Ruggs page Ruggs is fantastic yeah like it's like little Nemo it's like the bottom of a little Nemo page taking up the top third of a page and little Nemo and is falling out of bed out of up. his bed yeah back into slumberland but then he basically. keeps falling off yeah. the page and yeah. It, yeah it's great um but then like uh like Jared said some of the people try to slide their own characters in like there's like um where I feel like they think they're doing like an original thing, but then there are like ten things that are exactly like that. It's thing. like yeah. my original character in Slumberland, like yeah, Michael, yeah, Michael Red is like, it's a like Mad Madman Man. in Slumberland and uh, Kabuki in Slumberland like and David Mac, yeah, yeah, uh, Tyrant in Slumberland, yeah. So, so I thought that stuff was not as interesting. Right. Um, well, the other thing I felt is that I feel like some of these people hadn't read a lot of Little Nemo themselves. And then there are a few people who clearly are huge McKay fans. Like, Carla Speed McNeil did one that's this lushly colored one about a giant cat waking up Nemo and just carrying him around in the cat's teeth while they go on thing. And she got the tone of, like, early 20th century McKay dialect, like his his dialogue, so perfectly. It read like a strip from back then. And there are a couple others who did, maybe it was J.H. Uh, Williams. I can't remember if there's one where they're, like, walking in, like, uh, the panels, like the panels show a giant spiral staircase, like a room with a spiral staircase in it. And the characters are moving through the panels, but also moving through time down the staircase. Like very, you know, like kind of Eisner-esque use of the page that I feel like that isn't quite what McKay did in those layouts. But that's very much in the spirit of what McKay did. Yeah, I can't remember who it was, but somebody else also did one. <clears throat> so each of the, in the Little Nemo strips, each panel will have like a number on this, oh, yeah. on, in the corner of each panel. There's one where somebody did it, so it's kind of Little Nemo throughout his life. Oh, that and would so be awesome. it'll be like, yeah, it'll be the panel will be like one, and then it'll be like eighty five or yeah. like a hundred. You know, it, it skips yeah. ahead a bunch, but also showing Nemo growing up and growing. Older yeah, and it kind of yeah. goes through Nemo's life, and that's pretty interesting. Too. Yes, it's people who like, but really they kind of use the format. It worked, yeah, yeah interestingly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. That was a really good one. And then some of them just have incredible art just in general. Like they just a got few... some of the best artists in comics yeah. in this book. It's amazing. Yeah, like uh, Jeremy Bastian's in here who does Curse Pirate Girl, who's fantastic. Paul Pope is in here. Uh, J.H. Williams III, John Cassidy. Charles uh, Vest, yeah. S.M. Vudari. Becky Drysdat. Uh, just like just a ton of really, George really. George Pratt. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. P. Craig Russell. Like people I didn't know were still doing comics. <laughs> for the, like seriously, like uh, Steve Bissett came back. Paola Rivera. 
Oh my gosh, I, I'm, this this list is ridiculous. Like, there's so many great people yeah. in here. It's definitely worth uh, if you can even just take a look at it. Like, if you can find some place that has it and flip yeah. through it, it's great. And, you know, a hundred bucks or or even more at some other places is is it's a lot huge, to pay. But it's maybe. But no, I don't think so for this. It's for um, what it is. It's yeah. expensive, yeah, I mean, but it's I'd expensive. Say it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's it's very cool. Uh, and oh, David Peterson from Mouse Guard. He yeah. had an awesome one. Oh, man. So many good ones. Yeah. So oh, uh, Gerhard had one, the backup artist for Cerebus. Oh, yeah. I his think. is the first one in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so definitely worth uh, taking a look at if uh, you can find one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, up next, we've got Over the Garden Wall special. So Over the Garden Wall is a, a new cartoon series that just came on Cartoon Network re- recently. It's, it's a 10-episode thing, right? Yeah, 10 parts. Uh, kind of one big complete story uh, created by Pat McHale, who's one of the original guys back at Adventure Time. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got a really interesting kind of um, 20s Americana meets, uh, like, creepy... I, I don't know. And it's got a little bit of Adventure Time feel to it as well. A little Miyazaki in there. Yeah. Uh, it's very cool. It's very autumnal. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, yeah. But uh, th- so this is kind of a story that would take place in the middle of the well, series. you've you know, watched the whole thing. I right? have watched the whole thing. So yeah. does this fit very nicely in between some of the stories? Yeah, sure. Like, okay. the, uh, this. so the the main story of, well, I'd, at least at this the point of this thing is that uh, there's a character named Wirt and uh, his little brother Greg, and they're lost. They're from basically our world, right? And they're lost in this crazy world fantasy, where people, yeah, fantasy world, world where people yeah. have like pumpkin heads and stuff. It's very like almost Wizard of Oz, right. yeah. Um, and um, and they meet this bird named Beatrice who says that she's going to take them to this old woman Adelaide who can help them get home. So while they're on the way, they have you know varying adventures like like you know basically like the odyssey or something and um or like every book that's ever been based on the same structure as the odyssey but yeah i mean yeah they're trying to get home and they go on adventures and this kind of is one that would just fit in between any of those in the kind of first half of the series before they meet adelaide and uh yeah this is about them meeting uh some crazy like pirate no, like, not, not pirates. Like, uh... They're insane. Sailors. Yeah, they're insane, uh... Like, like a ship full of crazy sailors. Yeah, they're like a navy. Or yeah. they think they're a navy. And they're they're uh, traveling on not quite a ship, but instead an upside-down bicorn hat that... Which is amazing. ...is in the middle of a field. <laughs> yeah. But sailing through the field like it's made of water. Right. Fighting cows. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so this was illustrated by Jim Campbell, who is so good for this how close is his style to mikhail's like animated style? it's re- it's really so it's, okay. uh, yeah the look is exactly the same because the, the art show. in this i loved it fits the the story so well yeah i don't know jim campbell but i'm gonna guess he's maybe somebody who's it's related like to the show maybe yeah, yeah yeah but oh my gosh this like i haven't watched the show yet i'm so looking forward to it because this comic blew me away it hit like hit so perfectly on so many levels it just has such great characterization of like these insane naval officers and like and the all the crazy adventures and the songs are great. Yeah, yeah. they sing a lot of songs. Um, yeah, um, and there's there's, there's a, a actual notes at the back of like a, what do you call it sheet music? Sheet, sheet oh music yeah, yeah, at the back of this. <laughs> That's true. For yeah. So so uh, basically the the plot is just you know. Um, Greg is so Greg and Wirt are brothers. Wirt is is the main character, and he's a more pragmatic type of guy. And then Greg is his little brother, who's like he's completely very young and kind of. Yeah, he's Not, and naive and yeah, he's just having fun. He's like uh he's like Candide or something. He yeah, like thinks yeah. everything's going to be fine all the time and That was totally the reference I was going to make. <laughs> uh or he's like Clarence from the cartoon Clarence. <laughs> uh he wears like a pot on his head and he has a pet frog that yeah. he changes the name of all the time. But uh yeah, so um 
what was I going to say? Yeah. Just what, what they do. Yeah, yeah. So they, yeah. yeah, so they end up on the, on this boat with these guys because, uh, basically Greg won't just follow Beatrice to get to this place they need to go. So she's like, whatever, this is as good as anything. And then these guys are kind of insane and sort of hold them hostage in a weird way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Okay. And it's they just keep promoting, uh, kind of re- recruiting them. Yeah. Keep promoting work from like Admiral to, to yeah general, general eventually but uh yeah and so it's about them trying to get off of this ship or or use the ship to get to, to where, get where they, they need going. to go yeah and uh yeah it's a crazy kind of surreal story and it's really good it's very alice in wonderland in a lot of ways too yeah uh this comic was so good like yeah. if you haven't seen the show like i haven't this, this is, is so what good. would be the maybe the worst episode of the show oh really yeah oh my <laughs> like gosh. um there wasn't a, a huge sense of danger in this episode, and there's definitely a lot of plot oh, stuff okay. that doesn't uh, make it into this. But mm. overall, I mean, it's still fantastic. So does the show feel like there's more at risk? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, they uh, and there's always kind of two or three other things going on in the right. background as well, which there's less of in this. But that's not to make a mark against right. it. I mean, it's great. Just it's just because tone. it's yeah. because it's a little more ephemeral. It has to be, um, you know, it has to be a little more throwaway. Like, yeah. well, it can't as, be... As a standalone, this works so well. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And if you haven't seen the show, I bought the whole season on iTunes. It's like 10 bucks, nice. And uh, I watched all 10 episodes just in a row. <laughs> <And> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and it's great. And this comic is great. And I highly recommend it. Sweet. All right, one last thing this week is uh, Snackies. This is written by uh, Nick Sumita, written and drawn by Nick Sumita, who is a really, really funny cartoonist um, who now works at uh, Nickelodeon. And uh, yeah, his his most of this stuff has been published online, but there's some new stuff in here as well. And these are just like really funny stories that kind of make fun of and also embrace uh, millennial behaviors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Modern dating, a lot of technology, and the horrible combination of those two things. Yeah. So... Uh, I don't know. Nick Nick just does really, really funny stuff. You yeah. know, one is just like he hears a sound in his room and he looks and it's a tiny Adele. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that's a really funny comic strip. One is about him falling in love with himself. Uh, sprinkled throughout are these things where he's getting uh, texts from God that are basically like, I can see you. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. The whole the whole thing is great. Uh, it's, it's all... He kind of brings them all together with this video game called snackies which is that about was brilliant yeah it's like and, the opening framework yeah. yeah and i don't know just the whole thing's great uh his comics make me laugh more than i think any other stuff out right yeah. now yeah. and uh yeah there's a whole section in the middle he had a a mini comic called raffle which is like uh you know rolling on the floor laughing and it and it's kind of a bunch of variations on that, that horrible get, acronyms yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> that get really ridiculous and funny yeah. and uh yeah it's all about uh i feel like the whole thing is about um needing validation for your work and having access to all these people that can tell you you're great all the time and like Mm, and like what it kind of what it means to be an artist and be like uh not like a celebrity but like you know like a figure that's a personality yeah you're like like everybody's a public figure now yeah and uh a lot of it's about that and there's also just super weird yeah super weird yeah there's like a like a part that's like a series of uh strips where it's just about him him seeing like a hot guy on a bus and him like oh yeah being attracted to him and he's like oh i was really attracted to this guy and he turned around he had this really long ponytail with like beads on it yeah or hit the back of his head was the face of voldemort yeah Yeah. and then like the last guy's (laughs) face is like a he's like oh he looks fine and then like he opens up and it's like an alien that tries to kill him and stuff it's really funny yeah um the whole thing's great and yeah it makes me laugh out loud and it's good stuff it's probably my favorite thing on this list this week no no over the garden wall 
so yeah. good. Uh, I just I love definitely pretty great. Yeah, it definitely is, one of their hilarious. Yeah, they're so different. Yeah, they're both great. Uh, but but highly recommended. Both yes. highest Super recommendations. Yeah. All right, so that's it for this episode of the podcast. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We got through it kind of fast. That's what we do. Bang through it. I I was rushing through it. Don't worry. No, not really. I don't know. I was like... Talking about the good stuff. I was trying to make you guys shut up sometimes. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh, We will see you guys next time. Yeah. Yeah. Later. Later.